0: So,
1: yeah. you
0: know, if I hadn't gone and done that research, then I would have spent probably hundreds of thousands of dollars building a system that nobody would want to buy. Yes. And I think it's the same for any product. It's like until you actually get out there and talk to the people that would potentially buy, you don't know what to build, you know. So
1: Absolutely.
0: I would get out there, talk to as many people as possible, tell as many people about your idea as possible. Nobody's going to steal it. Nobody's going to take your idea and run with it. You just need to talk to as many people as possible and then build things to, paint, to solve their pain points. And that's where I would start out today. But I didn't do that with my first business and that was a very costly mistake for me.
1: Hello dreamers and action takers. Welcome to another episode of Want Money, Got Money podcast. I'm your host Sam Kamani and my today's guest is Nick Harley. He is the VP of growth for a New Zealand based startup called Reagan. So without any further ado, let's get into it. So Nick, welcome to the show. I've been a big fan of Reagan as a Kiwi company that has made global waves and it's done. You guys do such a good job. So it's great to have you on the show.
0: Yeah, good to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Yep, thanks. So would love to know a bit about um, what you are up to these days and what does Reagan do for some of our audience who might not have heard of Reagan?
0: Yeah, so Reagan is a SaaS product and it helps developers find, diagnose, and ultimately resolve issues in their software applications. So we've been going for several years now. I have customers all all around the world from our base on Courtney Place in Wellington. I'm currently the VP of Growth, which is probably a fancy title for managing business development, customer success, and marketing teams here at Raygun. So it's very much similar to kind of chief revenue officer type type role. So that's what I'm currently doing. But I've got a, a general history in startups and getting stuff off the ground and Joined Raygun maybe six and a half years ago, so I've been there pretty that's much a, for the full journey.
1: Yes, <laughs> that's a pretty that's a pretty good run, and I'm sure Reagan has grown quite significantly in those in that time. How many employees were there when you first joined?
0: Uh, so there was around five when I joined. I think I was like yep. number six. Yep. Uh, but it was mainly a lot of developers in a room uh, just getting the initial product off the ground. Yes. And uh, I joined. Uh, another lady called Hillary to help accelerate some of the marketing uh, over that time. And we're now at like around 50 employees and several million dollars of revenue. But back then we were very small. We're actually located on the terrace in like an attic space of one of the office buildings there. So uh, it's funny to look back actually at that kind of journey because that, that whole office was probably the size of our, our boardroom here at this office. So um, it's been quite an interesting journey. Over that time, and I spent the predominant amount of my time was in the marketing function. So, yes. pretty much did the whole kind of go to market from zero to where we're at today. So, been pretty exciting. Been full of challenges as well. I think uh, it, every year you think it's going to get easier, and it just gets harder. So, it's always <laughs> fun. Yeah, it's a, it's a good team here. Like I say we've uh, sustainably grown. Uh, we haven't particularly gone down a, a VC type route and more bootstrap tolerator way to. Later. Yeah, are. I think we're, we're relatively successful uh, in that we've, yes. we've created a product that's uh, grown considerably over that time, but it has been quite a journey of the ups and downs and roller coasters of startups.
1: Absolutely. I uh, would love to dig in a bit more onto the VP on the growth side and the marketing yep. side for SaaS products. But before that, I would love to know a bit more about your own personal journey. How did you get into startups? It's It's like maybe... When you started, it wasn't the standard route and probably it still isn't the standard route for most of the people on this planet. It's not how people yeah. think that yeah. one day I'll go and start a startup. They Most people take the, the traditional route of going into becoming a professional or service industry or something like that. Yeah, so how did you get started?
0: Uh, yeah, like most people, I fell into it. But it, it's an interesting story because my initial career path was I grew up in the UK left school at 16 and then became a a plumber in the construction industry and I did that for around 10 or so years and then ultimately decided I think I was about 25 or so back then I went backpacking uh, for about six seven months and whilst I was on that kind of backpacking route obviously grew quite a lot personally as a person but my, my kind of realization was that I didn't really want to go back to to doing what I was doing and I was yes. reading all these entrepreneurship books of people like in Dragon's Den in the UK that tv yes. show but like Shark Tank. Shark Tank in the US yes. yeah and it was a bit, a bit of a odd situation because I was backpacking the world but I was reading all these Richard Branson uh, books and all this stuff about entrepreneurship and yes. wanted to fundamentally get into that world I didn't really know how and then around two months into my My backpacking trip, I just realized that there was this software problem almost with when you're trying to check into these youth hostels and hotels when you're doing accommodation, they were using very arcade systems and it was always like a massive line to check in. And I was like thinking, surely there's a better way of doing this. So I actually spent a lot of my uh, backpacking just researching this whole software play almost on, on, could we actually make this better? And Got talking to a few people and started researching stuff. And when I got back to the UK, my uh, dad picked me up from the airport and our first stop on the way home was to go buy a laptop and get set up with Wi-Fi at home and started building a business really once I got back, which was to build a cloud-based system for hostels and hotels and write right around that time, like there was no iPhones, there was no kind of cloud, there was no kind of SaaS. It was right at that kind of point where that was all kicking off. And I remember when I was trying to find contractors to help me build this that I'd sketched out in a book, basically, there was a real kind of debate around, should it be a desktop-based software or should it be in the cloud? And they were all going, no, it's all about web-based. That's where the future is going. So I was like, okay, so we, we built that. And I used a set of contractors to build that business yep and ultimately ran out of money to keep developing it because I was using these third-party contractors didn't have a technical co-founder at that point and learned a lot of lessons doing that business about how to get a business off the ground and there's probably some other stories we can dig into but essentially after I'd built that business and realized that I couldn't scale it any further I, I ended up selling that business and moved over to New Zealand around that time and wanted to get more involved in startups. I think I was in such a rush to find an idea, find something to put my time into that I needed to find other people and get involved in entrepreneurship here in New Zealand. So I got involved in the startup community and went to all the meetup groups in Wellington and started to get networking Basically, around around town and and meet new people. And out of that, found a few uh, businesses that I could help and and try and get off the ground. And yeah, probably did two or three where I was trying to help just get them to market. But after that kind of period, I think we got to the point where my partner Amy and I sat down and she was, I was kind of going like, I'm just trying so hard to find an idea that we can just take off. And and we got to the point where it's like, you just, we should stop trying to force it. Yep. you you can just use your skills, go help another company scale and uh, and get to market. And so at that that point, it's timely that that kind of Reagan kind of came along. Um, yes. I, I knew JD in my network, and uh, he's a CEO. And we got talking, and just thought, yeah, this is the type of business that I reckon I could add some value to because they're globally mm-hmm. focused. They have a tool that I could see scaling. Like it seems a good opportunity. And at yes. that point, I was more of the opinion of, I'm going to spend a lot of my time and effort putting my heart and soul into something I want to believe in it. And I did believe in Raygun at that time. Yes. And it turned out to be a good bet and a good fit for us because I think with, with the founders over that time, we got very similar views of the world and how yes. to scale the company. And then, yeah, after that kind of marketing-focused uh, role, uh, being director of marketing for quite a long time, I then moved into uh, this this current role around... Nine months ago now. So, yeah, I'm going pretty well on scanning out the team. And my role has morphed into more like finding the right people, bringing them into the company, and that type of thing. So, it's quite a long journey, uh, yes. but it's not traditional. I didn't go to university and learn any of the stuff and more self taught and learn by doing. But I think that's the beauty of entrepreneurship, isn't it? Really? Like, Absolutely. people come from all walks of life, yes, um, get involved and, and create something, really. So, yeah, yeah. that's where I'm at today.
1: And you need that diversity because to me, diversity is not only gender and skin color. It is a lot more than that. It is also your background and your thinking and everything pretty much. And the skills that you bring, because you do need that diverse set of skills to build and grow a company. The other question I had was, I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs, they're really good at selling. What was the first thing that you sold?
0: Oh, the first thing I sold. Good question. It depends how, how far you go back. I think like anything in the, in the business world, my first kind of foray into sales yes. was selling that hostel software. Yeah, because it's a an interesting story. I mean, when when I was building, it, I had something, and I, I went to a hostel management kind of unconference in uh, Dresden in Germany. I just decided yes. oh, I'm going to buy a ticket. I'm just going to go, yep. and uh, just turned up and started talking to all these people in this industry that I didn't really have much experience in and had convinced them on why they should look at my software versus what they were currently using and got quite a few leads out of that. And then uh, demoing to those people and pretty much falling forward, trying to trying to sell that thing and learn as I was going was was quite an experience. But yeah, yeah I think sales is fairly straightforward once you understand the fundamentals that you're, you're a consultant basically for people's problems and then you exactly. have to kind of solve what their the pain they're going through with your solution. And then you yes. just basically take them on the journey to like, I'm going to help you solve it. And, and that's the yes. best way to sell.
1: You said it hundred percent. If you were, safe for example if you are starting now or if a founder is starting a saas product now like that in that industry i have actually two people who have approached me recently and they hey how should i grow my saas product it's in the hotel industry <laughs> yeah, what advice yeah. would you have for them
0: yeah the, the mistake i made was that i built my first mvp and went out trying to sell it without really talking to the the customer um, yeah. and, and i think like a lot of these startup methodologies around how to build an MVP and how to get stuff off the ground. The most successful ones are the people that had a very tight feedback loop with the end customer. And so if you don't actually talk to the people that you're going to sell it to, then you'll build the wrong thing, basically. Uh, You won't solve the need and the the problems they have with your product. So getting out there uh, and going and talk to people is the main thing. I had a similar... Um, experience where I actually had an idea for earthquake proof shelving for like supermarkets. So all the stuff didn't fall off the floor. And then I went out and and just went around various supermarkets and said, can I talk to the manager? And they were like, why? And I was like, I'm just doing some market research for an idea. I've got." And they all told me, you know, like we wouldn't buy it because we've got insurance. So,
1: you
0: know, if I hadn't gone and done that research, then I would have spent probably hundreds of thousands of dollars building a system that nobody would want to buy. Yes. And I think it's the same for any product. Is like until you actually get out there and talk to the people that would potentially buy it, you don't know what to build, you know. So
1: Absolutely.
0: I would get out there, talk to as many people as possible, tell as many people about your idea as possible. Nobody's going to steal it. Nobody's going to take your idea and run with it. You just need to talk to as many people as possible and then build yep. things to pay, solve their pain points. And yep. that's where I would start out today. But I didn't do that with my first business, and that was a, a very costly mistake for me.
1: Yep just thinking about the the shelving thing you didn't think of approaching insurance companies because they are the ones who would save money on paying out paying out insurance claims
0: quite potentially but i think that yes. that idea just fundamentally didn't have legs, legs and i think uh, yes. i was in that kind of mindset of just trying to brute force a good idea through, <laughs> for a the company
1: there's so many uh, entrepreneurs uh, do that and founders I'm do like, that
0: yeah racking my brains for what's the million dollar idea um, <laughs> the, the one, the one I probably should have had was bunch of balloons because when I first saw that, I was like, "It was on Kickstarter, I think, at the time." And yes. uh, to so see what's that, that,
1: how does it work? But,
0: so yeah, bunch of balloons is you, you basically fill fifty odd balloons at the same time, yep. and, and with a hose, and then you shake them off, and it just turns oh out yes, out. I've and seen i think seen the, the Kiwi company, uh,
1: is it uh, Vera, Zuru? Zuru yeah, yeah, Zuru. Yeah,
0: so they yeah, yeah. they ended up licensing it and and uh, have made it very successful uh, because of, you know.
1: Yeah, they it would. Makes they sense. would because
0: they're in that business. But stuff like that, like you know, people with these like great ideas, and like, why don't I think of that? And it's if you're trying too hard to try and find a problem to solve, and you're not really going to come up with something, you have to be deep within an industry and actually find a problem that has to be addressed. But I think yes. at that that time of my life, I was just trying to like, I was trying really hard to come up with something that was going to make me a million dollars, and then ultimately we got to the point where I was like. Just let's just go and find somebody else with a good idea and then try and help them scale it and do it that yeah. way. And then maybe my time will come later down the track. But
1: yeah, so that makes sense, makes so much sense. And I'm, sh- I hope lot more founders listen to that there is no point in brute forcing your idea that you've got into and jamming it down customers' throat by spending money on Facebook ads and YouTube yeah. ads. Yeah. That's not how it that's not how it should work in an ideal world. Yeah. Um <clears throat> since you are the VP of growth and over your journey with Reagan, you have seen it grow um, considerably in size, 10x the employees and I don't know how many x the revenue, but over the time, what are the things, what are the lessons, key lessons you have learned when it came to sales and marketing or promoting a SaaS product?
0: Yeah, it's a difficult one to answer. I think that the fundamental thing is that you can't do it on your own. And uh, as you try and scale, you run into scaling issues in that. You're trying to find the best team members. You're trying to build a good growth culture within the company. You have people come and go, just natural attrition of people and staff. Yes. I think like for, for us, we always try and find people that fit with our core values and are on the mission. We call it like the Raygun rocket ship just because we've got this space reference going on with, our, with yes. our brand. But if people aren't fundamentally on that journey with us, then usually it doesn't work out. And uh, we just try and find people that are, very motivated and almost entrepreneurial in their own mindset in that they're going to come and solve problems because at all points when you're trying to scale you will come a, across problems and everybody needs to just be problem solvers that can can solve problems on their own and that's probably where my role's morphed into I'm I'm no longer kind of the doer which has been hard for me to start to delegate more yes. and, and be more the one who solves problems and roadblocks for people, but you need to fundamentally have good people that you can rely on and trust. And then you scale your business by bringing in the expertise you need because you don't have all the skills yourself. Can I be the dumbest person in the room? Like that's success to me. Can I go on holiday for two weeks at some point and everything just operates really well? That's success for me, but it's not that easy to get to that point, but you have to build the resilience in the company and the team so that they can fend for themselves and do it on their own. And so you show, teach, delegate tasks, stuff like that. So you almost make yourself redundant in a sense, but it, it never happens that way because there's always stuff to do. There's always new challenges to solve. But I've always been, been taking the approach of who can I hire that's the best person around at that particular thing, bring them yeah. in, make them own stuff, and, and give them kind of freedom to explore, make mistakes.
1: Yeah. 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 Makes awesome. sense. Makes sense. What's the the number one challenge um, for Reagan this year or that you've experienced this year?
0: Well, this year it's pretty easy, right? With the whole COVID situation in the world, um, you've seen people's, more, yeah, how would you say it? They're kind of, they've got more resilience to buy stuff. I think like we, we've seen our kind of conversion rates fall slightly and we're quite lucky in that we're, we're not in one particular industry. You're going to be a lot more
1: Effective. If,
0: if you're in like travel or tourism, then your yes. revenue is going to fall off a cliff. We've been quite diverse in our customers' yes. set and and most of our revenue, like 90, 92%, I think, is offshore um, with most of it in the US. Yes. But we haven't seen a particular fall off. Like we've seen some customers in certain industries, uh, like tourism and stuff, have to cut costs and stuff. Yeah. But generally speaking, I think people are just... Uh, in a state of flux, and they don't really know what's going to happen. Yeah. For the rest of the house or how long is it going to go on for? What kind of uh, position is it going to be in a year? But I, I guess we're quite lucky at Raygum in that we haven't had to make some of the cuts that other companies have had to cut because yeah. we're 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 built on a very sustainable base, like yes. we have cash flow positive most of the time, and uh, we've run the business very sustainably over time and that's that's played to our advantage at this time where we haven't had to probably make such drastic moves as other companies have. But yeah, that's the key because in my role you're looking for growth and yes. then the, the current climate is is counterintuitive to growth right now. So you just do your best.
1: I would love to know a bit about Reagan's journey because since you've been there since the start, did you guys ever raise funding? Or I think you guys did, right? Early on?
0: Yeah. Yeah, we did an early, early seed round yes. with some investors there, but we haven't really needed to go after kind after of the seed goals. round. Yes, but you know, like each to their own. Like people can go either direction, and there's oh, no absolutely. necessarily good or bad path. Um, it it yes. depends whether you want hyper growth or more sustainable growth. Yeah, um, and, and for us, it doesn't mean that we might, we, you know, we're never going to raise money. But right now, we haven't really needed to, uh, which is probably a good position to be in. So oh, we, we, they raised some initial money uh, because yes. the company was called Mindscape previously and they sold .NET tools to uh, developers and then Raygun just happened to be one of the tools that got built and then yes. pretty much once we launched that product, that's when I joined the company. The revenue was pretty low for the Raygun product, but Mindscape, the business, was already operating um, quite a healthy business at that point and we raised money. And then uh, due to the rapid rise of Raygun and the success of it, people kind of forgot mindscape owned it and we changed Mm. the company name pretty much over from the mindscape to raygun so we focus fully on raygun these days uh, rather than those mindscape products that people might remember
1: what happened to all the old mindscape products did you guys sell that part of the business out did you just close it down or is it still going
0: basically we closed it down we just stopped selling new versions because that was very much a kind of a an older model, not really the cloud subscription yeah. model, and people would buy licenses. Yes, and so we just we just kept supporting the old licenses for quite a while and phased it out eventually because yeah, it just became a bit of a a kind of hassle to, to support that
1: alongside. Oh, absolutely, the so, yeah. Um, it is such a good track to go on a bit like Instagram and a lot of other startups that you minimize your offering, not maximize the number of features and offerings that you remove all the other fluff and just focus on what's working, work on your strengths, make them even stronger.
0: Yeah. So. We, or we even got to the point where people were like, hey, what's this mindscape company on my invoices? And then, yeah. and then <laughs> at that point, we we're like, okay, we're just going to go all in and, and change change the company name over because we're going to put all the... All the focus and attention on this business so we did the right thing for the customers ultimately and, and also
1: for you guys yeah focus is always good
0: <laughs> yeah yeah for sure you've got to focus somewhere and that, that was where we focused our resources which kind of worked out for us
1: yeah where, where do you see the the challenges for reagan and for growth of reagan over the next five years or the next few years
0: yeah, good question. There's lots of answers to that. But fundamentally, we need to scale up our operations. We've got quite a, a good business here and reaching yes. more developers um, really cementing our products. We've moved more into the application monitoring market, the application performance monitoring market, which is a massive multi-billion dollar market. So we're we're in the same realm as uh, the new Relics, the Dynatracers, the AppDynamics and those types of companies, which are yes. huge businesses. But we're playing in that pond now. Whereas yes. previously we were just about kind of errors and crashes. Now we're more in the performance side of things. So we're starting yes. to have more of those conversations with people changing tooling, things like that. So I think for us, cause we don't have uh, huge amounts of money to throw at it. Like how do we get our brand to be as established as some of these other brands? So people choose Raygun over some of these more established brands. So we're more of a challenger brand in that market yes. at the moment. Yeah. How do you infiltrate that market? Cause it's a big, massive one with lots of competition. So I think our challenge for the next uh, few years is to build our voice and trust in that market to say that we you know we can we can be a good solution for you as opposed to some of these bigger players which have been in the industry for maybe 10 15 years so yes we're quite an innovative company we won the most innovative software product at the high tech awards this year and we're continually innovating on our products and so they just get better and better and I think we have done very well to uh, deliver three main core products, and all, all our problems are, are just how to scale up from what we're doing already. And, and yeah, that's probably my challenge to solve. So.
1: Yeah. Now, just some on the some few things on the practical side, because quite a few listeners are um, like SaaS product founders. What are the channels that work for you for the growth or for marketing?
0: Yeah. One big channel that we've leaned on heavily is, is content. And we initially started with no budget. So content marketing basically became the marketing team would find strategic keywords we wanted to go after. Yes. And then we would have as much traffic as possible fired to those particular pages And then we would get people in our retargeting audiences and and start showing them banners and stuff like that. And that that worked pretty well for us because it was quite quite low cost and we can get our target audience to our site uh, pretty easily doing that. So we did that for many years and then our content's really expanded into doing panels, tech panels, uh, writing write-ups of that, industry insights, uh, podcasts, webinars, all all types of stuff that is still content. But we try and frame a lot of our messaging around how we can help people and developers and technical people to give them a bit of thought leadership. And I think when you market into a technical audience, they want to be almost like educated and and that's the best way to get to them um, because they don't like traditional forms of marketing. So yes. things like chucking a load of social uh, posts up and stuff don't work that well for us. We have to educate people on why they should use, why does Reagan help? How can we help solve some of your problems as a CTO or a VP yeah. of product? But yeah, a lot of our, our marketing's focus there. We're trying to also make sure we minimise our paperclip type spend, especially at the moment with a lot yes. of the kind of COVID that so people's social feeds are filled with other stuff rather than um, them caring too much about your product. So, yeah. shifting some of our spend over to other activities and, and being a bit more pointed on our messagings around cost savings and yeah. kind of tools and trying to be quite realistic in in the market about what people are expecting to see and, and what they want yes. to solve right now uh, would be where we've positioned it but content is fundamentally it's like one of my favorite channels because i feel like it compounds over time
1: like, it yeah, it's more like, like farming yeah the, the planting the more fruit you,
0: trees <laughs> The more you can produce, the more it can just keep delivering uh, month after month. Whereas if you do yes. more cam- campaign based marketing, yes. the, it, it's like a spike, right? So you might spend some money in September and you see a spike kind of like October, November, and then it's gone away because you've stopped spending the money. You stopped injecting yes. the money in. Whereas content and things like organic SEO provide you a much more comfort because then you can go, if we stopped all our paid activity for the next few months, we would still keep rolling in trials and uh, sales inquiries. We still get trials and sales inquiries of, of content we published two, three years ago. It just keeps delivering. And so I think that's a pretty cool one for me.
1: What's your best channel to reach developers? Would it still be content or is there like any social channel, any platforms? Do you guys use Discord, Slack? What's Conferences, yeah. networking, what's the best way to reach other developers? We've,
0: we've tried them all. I think yes. like conferences and events have been good for us in getting yeah. our awareness out there. And I think content has been the kind of cornerstone mm-hmm. of what we've done because you do get the ability to have that educational piece for people. Yes. Um, but developers and technical people do tend to listen to podcasts. Um, they do 100%. tend to... Frequent uh, Twitter, rather than other yes. social channels, they're on Reddit, they're on Hacker News, yes, um, these types of channels. Uh, Stack Overflow is another that um, lots of developers will will go and use. So we pick our channels based on where people hang out, and then LinkedIn also is expensive for your advertising, but it,
1: it's <laughs> super really, expensive.
0: It's really powerful in the yes. fact that you can say I want to target CTOs at companies with 50 to 100 employees, with skills in these certain disciplines. Yes. And you know that if you're delivering your messages to the right people, then that's just the, the way you're going to actually crack the nut of getting more and more people through. Yes. And so we like, we like LinkedIn purely based on the fact that it's so targeted. But, yeah, you do pay a premium, obviously, for, okay. for that. But, yeah, our tactics are more like don't advertise to people. Like you have to teach them and give them some value in order for them to respect you and and consume your content.
1: Yep. Fantastic. Excellent advice. Do you, before we go, do you have a ask for any of our audience? Are you guys guys looking for team developers, investors, employees, customers? What are you guys looking for?
0: Oh, customer, more customers is always a welcome thing. So uh, anybody struggling with software quality and, and, can recommend Raygun to any software team would be helpful. But I think for us, we've we've been hiring all the way through the COVID situation, yes. which is probably quite different to other companies who have been going the opposite way. But we we're keep an eye out on our careers page if you feel like probably uh, wanting to move the needle as a company that is quite entrepreneurial at it, at its heart, really.
1: Do uh, they have to be based in Wellington or they can be based remote anywhere in the world or in New Zealand?
0: Uh, they can be based anywhere, but we we have a preference, obviously, for keeping the Wellington uh, tech scene kind of running. It's and um, yes. our main HQs here makes collaboration a lot easier. So we, have, we do have a few remote employees. We've got a yes. Seattle office. We've got a CTO in Australia. We've got mm-hmm. people in New Zealand that work remote as well. So it's not a complete um, blocker for us. But generally speaking, we are quite active in the Wellington startup, developer, educational community so we like to think that we give back to our own community Uh, here in wellington we could obviously do more but we try and get into schools and uh, learn to code clubs and stuff like that to make sure we're doing our part there for the next kind of generation our main kind of hiring is is purely wellington based excellent keep an eye on the careers page
1: yes excellent Um, before we go i do these three quick fire questions. is there a book that you are reading right now
0: I'm actually reading a book called The Effective Executive. Executive. Yeah. It's quite a, an old book, but I've been given that, which is helping me in my particular role because I'm doing that challenge of uh, learning to delegate more and hire the right people. And so my role's morphed more into that kind of more leadership mold, uh, mold. So, yes. Reading as much as possible in that kind of realm at the moment.
1: Yep. That's great. And is there a podcast that you listen to on a regular basis?
0: I'm a big fan of the SASTA uh, content. Yes, um, SASTA is pretty good. Jace, follow Jason Lumpkin um, yes. on, on, on Twitter. And Twitter, we, yes. We, we also have a joke, me and JD, the CEO, like, yeah, we think Jason's listening. Uh, because the, amount, <laughs> the the amount of times you'll see like a tweet from him or something which is like the exact thing that you went through like a week earlier or the exact challenge you're facing right now is 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 quite scary <laughs> yes uh, I guess it also proves that you're you're also not alone in that other other people have, have the same kind of challenges as they're trying to scale a business, yeah, uh, but yeah the, the SAS stuff's really good for us because it's very um relevant to the type of business we operate,
1: yeah. Final question: If you had unlimited time, resources, and money, what would you build?
0: Uh, that, that's quite a question. Um, <laughs> could be anything, but I guess there's uh, if you had kind unlimited of yes. on money, I, I think the world right now is going through quite a lot of sustainability challenges. Challenges. Many yeah. people like uh, Boyan's lapped trying to clean up the oceans of plastic, and you. Mm-hmm. see a lot of the fires going on the global warming type stuff and so i guess if you had an unlimited money and, and, and time you would want to do something that's good for the world i think yeah uh, it's not a very capitalist answer i know that i think if i was to spend my time doing something you want something that you felt good about and i think the world has a lot of challenges right now yeah um, in, in sustainability and i would probably just give all my money to to people that can solve those types Sol- of issues those, uh, yes. go forth like there's no restriction yeah so, just be good to some, do something for the wheels uh, and create yeah. a better future.
1: that's that's great. That's really good. I thought you would say that you'll build a real life or something like that. Well, <laughs> Saying that <yeah>. behind you.
0: <laughs> maybe we totally could. We do have some like little water models that we uh, yeah, be a, be a good thing to maybe invest as a bit of a marketing push right. You yeah, be and fire some lasers around.
1: <laughs> no i'm just kidding but look it's been fantastic um talking with you nick really good insights and i'm sure a lot of technical people developers so if they're listening to this they would be able to use it and i will put all the links to reagan to your linkedin profile to to your your guys twitter and everything in the description and wherever this goes out whether it's youtube or any podcast platform. Thank you once again. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Want Money, Got Money with Sam Kamani. Hope you enjoyed the show and got some valuable insights that would help you in your startup or your business. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate this show on your favorite platform. It would be extremely helpful and I just cannot tell you how much I would appreciate that.